The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Um, so I thought it would be good to talk this morning about uh, how do we leave well. And I think uh, Rick and Kathy certainly model it. And it doesn't matter if you plan to be here for a year or for the rest of your life. Uh, the reality is, if you've lived in Chiang Mai very long, you know that everybody here leaves, right? Everybody leaves. All your friends, they all left, right? Or they will leave. Uh, it's, it's the way it works here. It's, it's part of the nature of uh, our life as people who come here on mission we come here with a vision and a plan to impact the world, uh, to make disciples and to proclaim the gospel. But we all know that um, you know, we were, most of us weren't born here. There's a handful of us who, were, uh, who probably will die here. Uh, some others of you may die here, but um, either way, whether you move or die, you leave, right? And you leave well. And we, we want to leave well, right? We want to... Um, move on knowing that we accomplished the mission God had for us. So what does that look like, and how do we make sure that we do that? And it, this, is, this is a message for missionaries and for pastors and teachers and shepherds, but it's also for any who have a role as a spiritual father or mother to a disciple, right? Or to those who are parents, right, who are parents of, of natural-born children, uh, the reality is that the way God has set up life is there is always a moving on. There's always a time when we say goodbye and we say farewell, and it's often with tears that we do that. But there's certainly a way to leave well, even though it's sad, to know that we got where we needed to be, and it's the right thing to take the next step. So what does that look like? And I want to look this morning at uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, where Paul... Uh, gives his great uh, farewell address to uh, the, the elders in Ephesus. And I think it's very appropriate and fits well with our, uh, our day. So let me look, at, let's read from uh, Acts 20, verses 17 through 35. Now from Miletus, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and, and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus." to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom 
will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things and to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by my working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, long passage, and we're not going to go through it in great detail, but let me just pull out a couple of principles that are helpful for us as we think about uh, our final day, right? Not necessarily on earth, but in the ministry you're at now, right? How can you be preparing to leave well? And Paul makes it clear in this passage that if you want to leave well, if you want to finish well, it really matters how you begin. And it really matters how you live day by day. In other words, you're not going to get to the end of your time here and then decide, well, I need to finish well if it's been a mess up to that point, right? So this is some of Paul's words of wisdom as he talks about his own leaving Asia as he sees himself moving on to Rome and, and uh, he has a vision to go to Spain. And he knows that he won't be back in Ephesus. He won't be back in Asia Minor where he's been. This is goodbye for him. So this is what he says. First of all, he says, um, great words. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I sat in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. Um, it really does matter how you live. If you want to live well, we need to live in a way that is an example to those around us. And Paul uh, lays out... Um, three ways to do that. And the first is to be a humble, uh, as a humble servant, uh, serving with humility. Uh, being an example does not mean that we live life perfectly. Right? In fact, that would be a bad example. And sometimes we, we get the idea that uh, when we come, it's important for us to put on this face and this facade that we never make mistakes and we never mess up. Right? What is that being an example of? Well, a liar and a hypocrite, <laughs> because the reality is we're not perfect and we do mess up. He says, be an example in humility. Humility means we are honest enough to tell the truth about our failures and to live in a way that says, you know, we're not perfect, but we are being transformed by the power of the gospel. And we can be honest about our mistakes and we can be transparent and vulnerable about our weaknesses. Right? Because we are to be examples of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is simply that you are a messed up sinner. Right? Okay, get the t-shirt that says that. We all need that t-shirt. I'm just a messed up sinner. Right? 
Okay, I'm not holy. I don't walk on water. I'm not Jesus incarnate. Okay, hopefully we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. But we're being transformed from what? Well, from idiots. Right? We're all just idiots. Can you own that? Right? We all we okay with that? We should just say hi, idiot. Hi, how are you, idiot? You know, it's, it's good. Good way to start. Who we are. Right? But what happens is oftentimes we have to be perfect. Right? We think that being a good example means being flawless. Well, that never flies well. And one of the things that we need to model and be an example of is that we humbly uh, present ourselves as those transformed, sinful beings being changed by God's grace. Um, and he says we, we serve humbly. Okay, we, He says, I have served you humbly. Uh, so we're not only humble in our example, but we need to be uh, servants who um, who do the dirty work, right? But one of the things you know when you come to Thailand, uh, if you're white and and uh, you know Western, you're automatically called Ajahn, right? Which means you're somebody special. Uh, and the sad thing is, you don't actually have to do anything to earn that position, right? It's just kind of automatically assigned to you, which I think is a bit tragic. Uh, and in this culture, you also know that if you get that title, uh, you get served, right? You don't necessarily serve others. But it's critically important that we humbly show that Ajans and important people, that leaders, can serve. So in my house, the way this works, we have these Thai girls who live with us, and I'm, you know, the older, white, Ajanish kind of person, and... Um, so what, what happens at our house when we get done eating, you know, you got to clear off the, the dishes. And I'm always trying to be the first one to get all the dishes and, and clear off the table. Well, when I first started doing this, like, the girls started having heart attacks, right? And they were, like, tackling me and grabbing the, jerking the plates out of my hand because I wasn't supposed to serve them, right? But it's important that we model that, right? Paul modeled that well. He says, and I love how, I don't know how this works. You know, Paul says, I came humbly serving you. Can you actually say that? I don't know. Is that actually humble? Well, I don't know. Paul did it. Um, he got away with it. Um, being an example of, of a humble servant. Second thing, um, be an example in hardship. Paul says in verse 19, Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Right? Um, it's easy to be a good example when everything is going well, right? It is difficult, but much more critical to be an example when everything is going wrong, right? when things are in the midst of trials and difficulties and hardships. So what this means, what, what Paul is really saying is, is here, is he's saying uh, make sure that you have a good reputation at immigration. You can make a rap there. Reputation at immigration, right? Like my rapping? Okay, I won't rap. <laughs> Too white. Uh, you got to have a good reputation when you are, you know, you've been sitting there for six hours at immigration, right, because you got there at like four in the morning to get the queue to get in line to get your appointment at four o'clock in the afternoon. And you've been, it's hot and there's 10,000 people in there. And you get there and you finally get up to the desk and the lady says, well, that's the wrong paperwork. You need this paperwork, right? And you want to just like, Lay across the desk and strangle her, you know. Be an example in hardship. Being an example in trials, right? 
showing the character of Christ and his grace uh, when people irritate you, right? Sometimes it's not Thai government workers that do it. It's, it's your own co-workers, right? Uh, they say one of the number one reasons why missionaries leave the field not well is because they fight and are in conflict with their co-workers. What a great reputation that is, right? That we come to this country to show who Jesus is and we can't work with each other. Right? We need to be an example in hardships and trials when our co-workers drive us crazy, right? Relying on God's grace to live out the gospel in a way that shows patience when things do not go well. Uh, third thing, he says he is an example uh, in his bold witness to the gospel message. Right? Uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 27, he puts it this way, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Okay, shrink back. In other words, I was not afraid to speak boldly the truth. Right? We need to be a, an example of boldly speaking the truth. Um, it, takes, it takes courage to speak truth. Right? Um, a lot of people think, you know, superheroes, people that jump off, you know, 10-story buildings, whatever, uh, that that's courage. But I'll tell you, there is nothing that requires more courage than speaking the truth. And the reason is because um, the truth of the gospel rocks people's world. It confronts and challenges their idea of reality. And it's dangerous to challenge people's idea of what is true and what is real. And the gospel does that. And Paul says, I've been an example, boldly proclaiming to you the truth, even though it has unraveled your concept and your idea of what's true and what's real. If you don't believe this, right, that, that challenging people's ideas about reality is dangerous, look throughout history at all the people who have been killed from Jesus to today, right? Uh, Jesus didn't get uh, crucified for knitting socks, right? Uh, he was crucified for speaking the truth, for challenging people's idea of what was true and real, that God was judge and that they were not the center of their own universe. Uh, Galileo is a good example of this. Remember what Galileo taught? He taught the heresy that the earth actually revolved around the sun. Right? Um, anybody, anybody agree with that? Well, thankfully, you know, science proved he was right. But when he put that theory forth, guess what happened to him? He's put in jail for the rest of his life, right? For challenging this idea that, that the earth was not the center of the universe. And that's, that's the reality of how it works. When you confront people with the gospel, you're telling them, you are not the center of the universe anymore. God is the center of the universe, and you must align your life with him. And when you do that, people will not like it. But... We must speak that truth because it's the truth, right? Um, and until you work that out and you align your life properly with the way things truly are in the world, life will not work. So we boldly proclaim the truth because it's the loving thing to do. Um, and Paul was an example of that. Um, 
Paul's an example of many other things, but um, living well among people means being a godly example both in our life and in our speech, right? We live out the gospel by how we conduct our lives, but we also proclaim the gospel by telling the message of who Jesus is and what he's done. Uh, now, not all of you do, will do this publicly. You know, Paul says, I did it publicly and house to house. Chances are we're not Paul. You know, we have our own unique gifting. Some of you will do that better one-on-one. Some of you will have opportunities to do it through media, through other things. But leaving well means that you have left behind the word of God, right? You have been faithful proclaiming the message of truth that will change people's lives. And you've been an example of it by how you've lived your own life. Second thing Paul tells us is um, he helps us understand and know when it's time to leave. I asked Rick that question because I think it's a significant and important question. How do you know when it's time to leave? Uh, Paul, uh, and, and by the way, that question doesn't mean you have to all be here 25 years or 50 years or you know the rest of your life. Paul actually spent the most of his whole ministry, the longest he ever spent anywhere, was in Ephesus. How long? Anybody know? How long? Three years, right? Three years. Right? Paul was not a long-term guy, right? Um, but what I see in, in, uh, in, in the world today in missions and in just life in general is people tend to either leave too soon or stay too long, right? So let's talk about people who leave too soon. Why do they do that? Well, um, again, not, not, not to say that you have to be here 25 years, but leaving before God really is calling you to leave. Uh, why do people tend to leave too soon? Well, the answer is easy, right? We all know why people leave too soon. Because it's hard, right? Because it gets hard. And life gets difficult. And uh, when things get really difficult and things are falling apart, it's amazing how God speaks to us. Right? You notice that? Like I'm going through really hard times, I don't like it, and I hate it here, and all of a sudden I feel God leading me to, you know, Hawaii or wherever. Someplace easier, right? Um, when, uh, when, I, when I was pastoring at the church I was at in Colorado before I came here, when Denise and I first got there, we, de- we decided, we said, we, we're not ever even going to talk about or pray about or think or consider leaving if things are bad, right? We will only talk about leaving if things with the ministry are going well, right? Just, just think what that would mean in your life if you said that. If you said, God, I'm not even going to think about leaving if it's hard and if things are going badly. I'm only going to consider leaving if things are going well, right? Um, of course, the other side of it is some people stay too long. Um, is it possible to stay too, too long? Yes. And as, as Rick shared in his testimony, for him to stay and uh, keep working with those leaders in non and his churches there, when God had clearly led him on, to stay would be harmful, both for Rick and Kathy as well as for those church leaders. Um, this is a problem, especially for those who start... Uh, and who are founders of organizations or ministries. Right? If you're one of these people, you've got to really watch this. Because uh, time and time again, founder leaders stay too long. And it always comes down to the issue of control. Right? Okay, these are people who cannot give up control. And they're convinced that the whole organization and ministry will fall apart 
if they leave, right? If, if you're thinking anywhere along those lines, you probably are already here too long. And you need to start thinking about leaving, right? And that's why it's important for all of us to be thinking about what leaving looks like for us, right? You are not Jesus, okay? You are not the Messiah. You are not the solution to everybody's problems. And if you uh, feel that way, I guarantee you will stay too long. So how do we counter these two errors? Well, Paul puts it this way. Uh, How did he know it was time to leave? Well, Paul says this, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. That word constrained literally means chained. Chained. In other words, Paul says, Look, I'm in chains, and I'm being drugged to Jerusalem by the Holy Spirit. Does anybody have that experience of God's will in their life? Well, that's my only experience of God's will in my life because I never willingly follow God's will. I only follow God's will because God has chained me and he's dragging me somewhere. And that's, that's probably a good thing, right? As long as you're willing to yield to those chains in your life and say, God, I want to move only when I'm clear and convinced that it is you leaving me. Because we determined not to leave when things were going badly at our church, uh, and we decided only to go when things were going well. When God did start to move us and lead us to come to Thailand, I didn't want to leave, right? Why leave when things are going well? And, and, and literally, I felt that I was drug here, chained by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, that should be the sense of, in our life uh, that moves us on, right? That we are being led, we're being drugged, we're being compelled by the Holy Spirit to the next place of ministry. Um, but there's two important checks and balances in this. Right? And, and the reason for this is that, as I said, it's far too easy to, when things are going bad or when things are hard or when we're suffering to convince ourselves that, well, it is the Holy Spirit leading me. Right? Um, it's amazing how many people who have failing churches, failing ministries, failing life, all of a sudden feel God's call to somewhere else. So what are the checks or balances that can help, help us sort out what's our own feelings versus the actual leading of the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul says this. He says, I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, in other words, in Jerusalem, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await me. I do not count my life of any value nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. He says, look, I feel compelled, chained by the Holy Spirit to leave. But the Holy Spirit has also made very clear to me that it's going to get more difficult, not easier. So here's two checks and balances to this. Uh, when you feel God is speaking to you and you feel God called to leave somewhere, are you simply running away from problems or are you being driven forward by a clear vision and mission for ministry? Right? Are you running away from problems or do you feel a clear call for ministry and mission? Uh, and here's some good questions to ask. Uh, you need to ask yourself, what if the next place is even harder and more difficult? Right? Um, are you willing to move from where you are now knowing that the next place could be worse? 
Well, Paul says, absolutely. Absolutely. He says, the Holy Spirit's already revealed that to me. I know it's going to get worse. I'm okay with that. If you're not okay with that, then you need to examine, is it really the Spirit that is leading you, or you just want to bail out of your current difficult circumstances? Second question. Um, Am I driven forward by a clear sense of God's call and purpose on my life? Paul says, I love what he says. He says, I, uh, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace. I'm convinced that God never just leads you away from something. He always leads you to something, right? If God has called you for ministry and he's gifted you and he's giving you the gospel as a treasure to to proclaim to the world that needs it, then you should always be being driven forward by the call to, to the gospel, right? That my life is going to be about the mission of proclaiming Christ and his salvation everywhere I go, no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how impossible, no matter how much resistance. My life is about that mission. It is about the mission of the gospel. And so whether I'm here or I'm somewhere else, I am driven by uh, the reality that people need to know this message that will change their life and set them free and give them life. So we are moved forward by that mission. And if, uh, if God's called us away from one place, it's because he's clearly sending us to a, a new work uh, to fulfill the same mission right, in the next place. Uh, if we're convinced those things are true, uh, then we can be confident it's time to leave, right? It's time to leave. Um, that kind of speaks to those who, who uh, would stay too short. Um, but Paul also speaks to those who would stay too long, right? And notice what he says in verse 28. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders to care for the church of God, uh, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, and those who will draw away the disciples. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now, get this, now I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Uh, Here's the reality. Paul, does anybody ever kind of get the picture that Paul was kind of a control freak? Honestly, he seems a little controlling at times, right? And he may have been very firm and very bold, but one thing Paul did extremely well is he entrusted people to the spirit and to the word and to the gospel of God's grace, right? Paul says, look, and I love what he says here. He says, uh, the Holy Spirit has appointed leaders, right? The Holy Spirit has raised up leaders for this church. And, and Paul empowered and entrusted and equipped those leaders to take over his job, right? Uh, leaving well means that you are working hard at replacing yourself. Right? Rick did that, and Kathy did that. Right? They, they said, you know, uh, we can't be the pastors in those village churches. They invested their time in equipping those leaders, 
And then they let them go and let them lead. Right? That's why they moved to Chiang Mai from, from non-province, so that those men would have the opportunity to lead on their own. Uh, Paul did that. Right? Now, he's not clueless about the risk. He says, I know that wolves are coming. I know that uh, there are those who want to devour the disciples. A lesser person would have said, you know, I've got to stay here to protect the church. If I'm not here, it's going to all fall apart. But what did Paul say? He said, no. I said, I spent three years teaching and pouring into you with tears, equipping you to do what? To stand on your own, right? So that I can leave and I'm going to entrust to, to these leaders and to these disciples uh, to stand on your own. Uh, in fact, his word is, um, um, I entrust them to God's word and his grace. Right? I commend to y- you to God's gospel of grace. Um, if you're a control freak, right, and you're a f- one of these founder leaders who's tempted to just stay on forever, right, you need to start asking yourself, who am I entrusting as leaders And am I able to commend them to the spirit and to the ministry of the word that I've been teaching them? If you can't do that, then you're either a really bad teacher or you don't have a lot of faith. Either one, you've got to fix it, right? You've got to believe that God's word is powerful to change people's lives. And his spirit will raise up leaders and you have got to learn to let go. And I'll tell you, you won't do this at the very end. You won't go through ministry at the very end and on the last day of ministry say, okay, I'm going to turn it over to you now. Right? It, it will happen long before that as you, in micro ways, start letting go and empowering those who you have raised up, who, who God has raised up as leaders, to take the reins and to take control, to entrust them to the power of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you think you are the only way ministry will survive, you overestimate your own value and you greatly underestimate God's power. Right. Uh, so Paul says, I can let go. I can walk away from the church in Ephesus. And in fact, the church in Asia, not that he wouldn't write letters, okay, the control part kicking in there, but he walked away. And he said, it is up to you guys now to take responsibility for God's word and his truth and to live it out in your own lives. Last thing, real quick. Um, you know, what, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Uh, just, for, just for a moment, I want you to fast forward in your own mind to, to the day when, like Rick and Kathy, it is your last Sunday at CCF, last week here in Chiang Mai, and you're leaving. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Right? What do you want people to remember about you that would characterize your life and your ministry, your time here? Right? Well, Paul wanted to be remembered this way. He said in verse 33, he says, and it's interesting that he ends here. This is what he says. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands of mine ministered to my own necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know if this was the legacy that others would have thought about Paul, but it is what he wanted, what he wanted them to remember him by. 
He says, I want to leave a, a, a legacy of generosity. I hope you remember that I was a person who was incredibly gracious and generous. And he did that partly through developing a ministry that was self-sustaining, and we don't have time to go into that. Uh, um, and we can't all do it the way Paul did, by the way. But he knew that to be generous, you have to be self-sustaining. Right? If you're constantly dependent on help from others, you can't be very generous. And so he modeled that. But beyond that, he was generous. Right? Uh, why is that so important? Well, I think that's so important because that, more than anything, characterizes what the gospel is. Right? If we want to really live out what the gospel is, it means that we understand the great generosity of God who literally gave everything he had in his son uh, when he sent him to the cross to die for us. Right? God is a God of extreme generosity. And this morning we're going to celebrate uh, communion. Right? And we remember the incredible generosity of God who gave his own son. Right? The only thing in all of heaven that actually cost God anything was his own son. And he gave him up fully and completely for us, right? To demonstrate his love for us. Uh, I hope we have a vision to be that kind of people, right? That what we leave behind is a heart that is incredibly gracious and generous. Where we embody who God is. This God of incredible love and grace. Um, because we love people because we help people, because we give. Right? Paul said, I want that to be how I am remembered. Um, let's just bow as we prepare our hearts for communion and, and just think about our life. Um, how do you evaluate success in your own life and ministry? Um, how are you today preparing for... Um, for your farewell Sunday? Um, are you preparing to leave well by being an example of godliness? Uh, by both modeling and proclaiming the gospel in ways that are clear and bold and uh, life-changing? Um, are you sensitive in hearing God's Spirit speak to you? Uh, persevering through hard times but preparing for how you can turn over your ministry to others whom God will raise up. Let's pray. Father, we do just thank you that you love us. Um, you poured out your, your greatest treasure for us on the cross out of your incredible generosity. Um, Lord, may our lives... Uh, in everything we do, be a picture of your great generous love and your grace. Lord, may we know how to live out uh, in our lives the gospel so that the lost people of Asia uh, will see something different, something they have never seen before. And while they may not understand it, Lord, we pray that our lives would bear witness to the truth of you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. 
For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.